OmegaMetroid.com is here. We're so proud to finally share our website with you, giving Metroid fans a dedicated one-stop shop for the latest news, fan creations, walkthroughs, maps, and of course, the latest episodes of the Omega Metroid Podcast. That's not all. If you'd rather listen on YouTube, you can check out episodes there. And if you really want to take your Omega Metroid experience to the next level, consider supporting us on Patreon. You'll get access to special Discord roles, a platform on the website to promote your projects, exclusive bonus shows, and so much more. Memberships start as low as $1 a month. OmegaMetroid.com is the source of all this great content. So whether you're a new Metroid fan or a series veteran, OmegaMetroid.com is the place for you. Check out OmegaMetroid.com today. Champions cast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. My name is Andy Spiteri, joined by Alice and Aletha. Al, how are you? I have no coffee right now. I actually have nothing, so I might be a little bit cantankerous this show. Um, you know what? Maybe me too, because I just got home from work and I haven't eaten anything all day. <laughs> so... Oh, you want to take a, like, a lunch break or anything like that? I mean, like that? I do normally, but today, like, got crazy there was there was some stuff that went down and i had to take care of it and i just like went on this complete stress spaz wheel and then it was 4 30 and i was like oh yeah i haven't eaten <laughs> i had the opposite day at work where like so so as we're recording this we're recording this a little bit early um because this upcoming weekend is easter weekend and by the way happy easter to all those that celebrate mm-hmm. Um, but it is the Thursday before the Easter long weekend. So like it was dead at work. I was sitting in my office for like pretty much all day, not doing a whole lot. My boss took off early and, uh, he's just like locked the place up. So I was like, okay. And so I was like, God, I got like, I got like three hours to kill. Like what the hell do I do? And that was kind of my, that was my afternoon. I actually ended up Right, I haven't finished it yet, but I ended up writing something for OmegaMetroid.com um, where I was like, all right, if Metroid areas were Pokemon types, what would they be? That was how not busy I wow. was today. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Maybe we could steal that. for Well, like, if Zelda dungeons were Pokemon types, what would they be? I think that we could steal that for the future. Okay, I'm down. I'm always down for stealing other people's ideas, even if they're yours. Well, yeah, me too, uh, and and I'm always down for stealing other people's ideas as well, especially when they're not mine, in fact. <laughs> um, but this one actually was also, the the idea and concept for today's episode was also bred of that three-hour time period where there wasn't a whole lot going on, and, um, you know, I was, I was thinking about the Zelda series and where it started and where it's come, uh, you know, over the last 35 years, 
uh, 36 years now, I guess. And um, I, I was kind of thinking about, like, for lack of a better word, the gimmick of the, you know, the various gimmicks of all the different games over the years. And so today we're going to kind of go through each different game and maybe discuss their gimmick. I don't know. We could, we don't necessarily have to rate the gimmick. Like we don't have to make a list, but we can say if we thought that the gimmick was a hit, if we thought that the gimmick was a miss, uh, maybe if there's time we can speculate as to maybe not speculate, but like hypothesize might be the more apt word because we do have some idea of what Breath of the Wild 2's gimmick is going to be. Um, and yeah, just kind of, you know, a retrospective of the of the gimmicks of, of Zelda history. So I, I think that that'll be kind of fun. And, you know, each game has a certain hook and a certain defining gameplay factor that makes it stand out and different from the rest, which is, like, actually pretty exciting because I was thinking, you know, about this, and I can't think of, like, another series where, like, every game is so like distinctive where like like yeah like some games are, are you know they, they have the same formula but like every game has like a, a definite gimmick that makes it stand out from the rest so i actually think that this is a pretty interesting topic yeah i'm down i like um i i mean of course i i love talking about zelda and i like talking about the different you know ideas that they come up with and it's kind of crazy like the stuff that they come up with and you wonder what they could possibly do to even top something in the future you know so it's always exciting clearly people there over there in nintendo have very good ideas and i mean some some are misses to some people but most people like them <laughs> so i guess we'll see um and and we'll go down the list of games here and we'll talk about the gimmick but we should probably mention too that like you know, obviously games like the Tingle games, the Zelda CDI games, Cadence of Hyrule, Hyrule Warriors. We're not going to talk about those because obviously those are like a full-on gimmick unto themselves. So uh, we'll we'll start we'll start really. I guess Zelda One for the NES doesn't really have a gimmick necessarily because it created you know the entire series. So like the the entire game just established what all further gimmicks would be but so i think that you have to actually go to adventure of link um to really see where the gimmick started in the zelda series and this one you know we just did our adventure of link kind of episode q a and we talked about a lot of the the different things that this game does well maybe not so well stuff like that um you know say what you will and you can say a lot and we did say a lot but the gimmick of this game which is turning it into a 2d side scroller and having those Random encounters. I know that they're not technically random encounters. Somebody was complaining about that on uh, Discord or Discus or something like that. Uh, uh, that we called it random encounters. But I mean, you know, it's pretty close. Uh, but like that that whole gimmick of like the 2D side-scroller is very daring, if nothing else. And I respect it for it. But I feel like, I don't know if I would say that this is like the best gimmick that the Zelda series ever had. And, and clearly, Nintendo felt the same way because... You know, this gimmick was promptly dropped uh, the next game. But I don't know. This this one was, uh, it was an okay experiment, I guess. Um, You know what? <laughs> I thought I was done talking about Adventure Link for a long while. But <laughs> I, and you know what? I don't really think that the 2D side scroll, scroller port, like, um, concept hurt the game. It was some other stuff that we talked about in depth in that Q&A episode, you know, like 
dying and having to go back to yeah. the beginning, the quote-unquote random encounters, that kind of thing. The 2D side-scroller, for the time, it, like, looked fine. The sprites look awesome, you know. Um, the villages looked great, and then the wilderness looked great, and then the dungeons looked great. And, again, this is for the time. So, I, I mean, the 2D side-scroller was fine. I didn't really have a problem with it, the game too much visually. It's just a lot of the other stuff that it had going on that I didn't really enjoy. Um, so last week, Al, last week we were ranking Super Smash Bros. stages, and I, I think that, like, likening the stages to soup was a hit. I saw a lot oh, of people yeah. talking about that. Yeah, no, that was cool. I love it. And some people even joined in and did their rankings and what they ranked it with soup-wise. And, of course, everybody uh, likes different soups. Uh, some people got on my case about chi not liking chicken noodle soup, but that's okay. You know, everybody's everybody's got tastes somewhere, but I thought that was a lot of fun. It, it was fun, and as you were saying that about the Zelda 2 gimmick, I was like, man, you know what? We should have done something similar, but, like, think of, like, wrestler gimmicks that we could, like, you know, if a wrestler had a good gimmick, we could say, like, yeah, this is a great one. If it was a bad gimmick, we could say, this is the equivalent. So uh, maybe I'll try and do that off the top of my head. I don't know if you're quite the wrestling historian no, to, to be able to pull that I'm off. Not. No, I didn't think so. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to give the 2D side-scroller, I'm going to say it's like, um, uh, I'm, I'm going to say it's like the fake Razor Ramon, fake Diesel gimmick. It's It wasn't very good, but pulled off in a different way, I think it could have been cool. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know, I maybe, maybe we'll drop this, understand. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I, feel like, I feel like there's a decent crossover between wrestling audience and Zelda audience. By the way... Um, Cody Rhodes, professional wrestler Cody Rhodes, uh, he made his return to WWE at WrestleMania a couple weeks ago, and he had, like, he told the announcers to read off an Ocarina of Time quote, like, direct. It was pretty cool. Nice. So I think that there's a little bit of crossover there. There is some. Yeah, the, the most, um, like, wrestler fans I've ever met in my whole life are all with ZD, so. <laughs> um, all right, before we move on to the next announcement, too, I have a special announcement and surprise for you. Allison, oh, me? at the end of the show oh. for you. Oh no, am I gonna like it? Cause I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll we'll see. <laughs> okay. Um, but we'll get there at the end of the show, okay. so you and everybody listening can can tune in and be surprised. Okay. Um, let's talk about a link to the past, which I feel like a link to the past and Ocarina of Time are like sort of similar in that really like their gimmick is just being like. The first, like, Ocarina of Time's gimmick, yeah, it has the, the child in 3D kind of time difference, but really its gimmick is being, like, the first Zelda, 3D Zelda. And I feel like A Link to the Past is sort of similar, but maybe to a lesser extent, where, like, this is, like, the first really, really polished 2D top-down Zelda game. But, you know, this, this game also introduces a gimmick which, really, the Zelda series is very, very fond of, and it goes back to the well with a bunch of different times in different ways... And that is presenting the dual worlds. And, of course, we see that with the dark world and, and progressively how you can, you know, end up going to the dark world and then finding certain points on the map which will take you to the dark world. And then evolving that and being able to just go to the dark world wherever you want but not being able to come back. And then evolving that where you can just freely go in between light and dark. So this is, like, really the, the start of a very proud Zelda tradition that I'm actually expecting to continue on even you know even going into breath of the wild too so this is uh this is like a great gimmick this is like the undertaker of zelda gimmicks that's high praise 
yeah, I mean, yeah, I kind of get what you're saying. And, of course, you know, this set the stage for a lot of the Zelda formula that we know and love today. So, yeah, I, I obviously am a big fan of the dual worlds of um, kind of having puzzles that you complete in between the two. And we do see this quite, uh, like, uh, quite a few times throughout the series. So, yeah, that is kind of cool that it was such a great, like, such a huge hit that it was used continuously throughout the series and i don't know i'm i'm thinking it might be used in breath of the wild too so i i think it could be i definitely think it maybe could not be. Uh, okay maybe not like at the extent of uh you know having like one regular world one dark world but something we'll talk about here in the future with one of the other games well um so kind of what i was saying about ocarina of time and a link to the past also really applies to to Link's Awakening because I think that the gimmick of Link's Awakening is just being like the first portable game because really beyond that it doesn't really have a, a gimmick in the way that the rest of the games on this list really do where like you know you it's a solid and and by the way that's not a bad thing necessarily and we're, we'll talk about some games that recycle older gimmicks if it's done well it doesn't matter like you can have a bad gimmick good gimmick whatever um but Link's Awakening doesn't really have anything that makes it stick out beyond, you know, it being the first portable Zelda. Um, when you think about it, you don't go back and forth between any worlds. You don't transform it to anything. You don't use any items to kind of inform the different world around you to change. Um, it's, you know, in a lot of ways, it's actually like the most straightforward, like, Zelda adventure. Unless you can think of a gimmick, maybe that I'm, like, just kind of missing, Al know if it's so much like a gimmick but maybe like a story trope and uh, <laughs> i threw out there like it was all a dream <laughs> you know but that's not really like a function of the game you know yeah that, that's that's more so like the way that the game story unfolds which uh which actually this is uh one of the first times that i can remember having you know this that story trope used which actually is it feels less cheap because you know that you're like dreaming going into the game Rather than, like, all this has happened and it's just like, oh, by the way, it was a dream. Nothing that just happened mattered. I hate that trope, but I didn't. I don't hate that with Link's Awakening. <laughs> because actually that trope is kind of like, it is, like, it was a dream, but there's consequences to that dream. I see, yeah. yeah. I kind of dig I it. I get it. But, yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying. That there wasn't really a lot going on that was, you know, kind of like um, a staple for this game. Aside from the story element of it. It was more story driven than, like... A function that you use throughout the game right so i guess in terms of like gimmicks this is like a, a dean malenko it's just very you know it's very vanilla it's uh what you see is what you get and what you get is really solid and really fun but maybe it's not the most flashy out there um let's talk about ocarina of time of course like i kind of mentioned earlier the gimmick of this game is really just that it's the first 3d zelda and uh that that is a gimmick in unto of itself and you know this this game combines that while also having the gimmick of you can go back and forth through time you know with your with the adult timeline and the child timeline that i actually feel like that gimmick isn't really utilized a whole lot though like i mean it like it kind of is and if you're gonna 100 the game then it definitely is but i i really think that like once you once you turn into an adult uh, there's not like a ton of reason to go back and become a child 
until you get to about the spirit temple or, or maybe actually i take that back until you get to uh the shadow temple and you have to go beneath the well but before that you have like three solid dungeons where it's just strictly adult and then the interplay kind of starts to happen a little bit so and i mean obviously you know we also talked about ocarina of time a couple weeks ago i think it's the best game ever made but i i yeah i, I don't think that it really maximizes the the kind of dual world gimmick in the same way that you know certainly a link to the past does or you know other games on this list like like minish cap or oracle of ages or anything like that where you can point and say like okay that's like that's the you know that's the defining factor of this game i really think like like yeah we have the adult and child kind of you can go between the two but like to me i just think of ocarina of time first 3d zelda game it's really set the the mechanics the physics uh the rules for the zelda world going forward that's kind of the what i take away more so than the the child and adult kind of duology there yeah i i understand what you're saying and maybe that's just all it needed that's all that nintendo needed to focus on was the fact that they were uh, you know presenting this this pretty like big world for the time magnificent beautiful gorgeous world in 3d taking zelda to the you know the next level it kind of almost feels like it doesn't even need to have anything more going on more flashy going on than that like i understand the child and the adult aspects of the game being like you know kind of a, a focus but it's not it just it's just kind of you can use it and you do use it a little bit as you said but it's not the focus, and it seems like the focus is that this is such a grand adventure in a whole new, like, way to look at it. Yeah, and, and like, kind of like I said, like, that's not a bad thing, like like you mentioned. Um, I, I think that they use the gimmick perfectly, really, and sometimes the best gimmicks are the most, like, understated gimmicks. So, who who's a good wrestler that we can, we can liken this to? I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it the Stone Cold Steve Austin of gimmicks, no. where it's just, like, a solid character that's, uh, you know, really plays up to its strengths. Okay. <laughs> um, but I think I think that you could argue that Majora's Mask is where, like, the Zelda gimmicks really started to crank up. Because, like, before then, yeah, you'd had Adventure of Link, which is kind of like the weird outlier, and it had the 2D, you know, side-scrolling stuff. But, like... You know, for the most part, like, yes, you had the dual world and a link to the past, but, you know, that, that was fairly, that was used in a, in a really well, well, uh, really well manner, but then you also have, like, Link's Awakening, you have the original Zelda, which is pretty straightforward, Ocarina of Time, we just mentioned, was, was more so about setting up the foundation of 3D Zelda versus, like, using that dual world gimmick, Majora's Mask is just like, nope, we're going for it, like, we are, we are going all out, and so... I mean, we have a couple different gimmicks in this game, but obviously, the main gimmick that you that you'll use in this in this game is the three day time travel mechanic, and you know what a what a weird kind of crazy concept that is. Like going going from playing Ocarina of Time, which is like a fairly straightforward adventure in a lot of ways, to going to having to like reset every three days and speed up time and slow up time. And then, of course, the, you know, the the other gimmick of the Transformation Masks, which is something that Majora's Mask has really expanded upon from Ocarina of Time. Um, just what a, what a wild game. Yeah, they just kind of went to the walls with that one, and I love it. Like, it's just out there. It's a little bit 
bizarre and weird, but like in a completely awesome, great way. I think it's aged really well. People really love Majora's Mask. Um, I know that some people, you know, they have a hard time with the three-day time cycle. It feels a little bit overwhelming, uh, too much pressure, that sort of thing. But um, I don't know. I think I felt that way when I was a kid, and then when I grew up and learned time management, <laughs> it got a little bit better, you know? So that that helped me, at least in that aspect. Um, and then, yeah, the masks were such a cool thing, like being able to – You've learned about these races so far in, like, the last, you know, uh, four or five games. And then you get to become one and, like, use that to your advantage to solve puzzles and go into dungeons and all that kind of stuff. So that was awesome. They did they did so much with this game. They just went all out. You know, with, with Ocarina of Time, it was like, yes, let's introduce them to 3D Zelda. That's all we need. And then Majora's Mask, they were like, okay, but how do we top bringing Zelda to 3D? And they just went for it. It's pretty wild. Although, I will say this, and I want your commentary and opinion on this. I think that the gimmick of Majora's Mask like really limits its accessibility um, to new players, specifically. Like, for example, so I, I had my wife play Ocarina of Time 3D, and she could do that. Like, she's, she's not really big into video games. She never really has been. So she didn't play a lot. So she doesn't have, like, kind of the... You know, you develop skills and kind of video game knowledge that, that lets you jump into any video game that you play and have, like, kind of a, a better... It's kind of like playing sports. Like, if you play one sport, you're probably going to be better at another sport than someone that doesn't play sports and has never played that sport either. Um, so I think that for her, she was just like... The, there's just, like, a little bit too much going on with Majora's Mask. So she, she tried to play Majora's Mask after Ocarina of Time, but there was, like, a little bit too much going on. And, and I do feel like that is kind of, I don't know, not unfortunate, but I, I I would never recommend Majora's Mask to be, like, the game that people start off with if they're new to Zelda. Just because, like, there is all that craziness going on with the transformation site. Like, I mean, you think about it, you have to control four different versions of Link. And to someone that's never played Zelda, controlling one version of Link maybe could be a little bit of a challenge. And then you throw in the, the three-day cycle where you have to manage your, your time and all that stuff... I, I'm not sure that it's incredibly accessible. Now, I'm not saying that, that, you know, it's bad. I don't think it is at all. Clearly, it's one of my favorite Zelda games. But I do think that it's not a game that you can just hand a new Zelda player and be like, here you go, generally speaking. Would you agree with that, Elle, yeah. or do you have a bone to pick no, with that? No, I mean, I, it makes sense for somebody who is not, like, completely a gamer, doesn't play often, doesn't play Zelda often. Um, I mean, it was probably our third Zelda game, me and my brothers, and we played it right after Ocarina of Time as well, but we, we did have a guide, so that kind of helped us, but we still loved it, like, um, it was kind of, like, good panic, it, like, panic, but in a fun way, <laughs> when, you know, your time was running out, and you're like, ah, crap, I have to go back, kind of feeling, so I think it really just depends, we played a lot of video games at the time, so it, it wasn't too difficult, I just think it kind of depends on, maybe how into games you are and how into that kind of overwhelming energy you are willing to, you know, do, I guess. So I'm trying to think of a good wrestling gimmick to give this game. And I think I'm going to give it, um, I'm going to, I'm going to say it's the fiend who is like this kind of Mr. Rogers, scary type of dude who is just like a really crazy, creepy, but like, inviting kind of gimmick if that makes sense and i feel like majora's mask has a lot of the same vibes 
as the fiend. So that's that's what he's gonna be. Okay. <laughs> um, let's move on. Let's talk about the gimmick of Oracle of Ages here. This one goes back to the well and uses the the tried and true dual world gimmick, and this time it is uh, it is the time travel mechanic where you're going back to the far past and then using that old as we're very much in favor of on this show the bootstrap paradox to inform what's happening in the future informs the past and what happens in the past informs the future um this is kind of another example of like a game that uses a simple gimmick but it does it in a really effective way so this one yeah this one um it isn't the last time that we'll see the dual world gimmick in zelda but i i think that oracle of ages i i wouldn't say that i like it i don't think more than than Minish Cap or or maybe even a link to the past necessarily in terms of like the the execution of the gimmick. I think I could maybe argue that I like the game itself more than a link to the past, but in terms of the execution of the gimmick, I think that it's pretty good. Um but yeah, maybe not as inventive as, as some of the other games, Zelda games that use this gimmick. Uh, I don't know. What would you say? Al? I think they kind of like took the dual worlds of A Link to the Past and like tried to expand upon it uh, just a little bit more. It's not it's not crazy in depth yet like we see in later games and like how I personally think Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be. But I think they, you know, kind of took the idea, they played they tweaked it just a little bit and they were like look, we can have more things happen in the past that tells you what's going to happen in the future or have them talk about something that happened in the past so you'll go back and do it. Um, right. So I really liked that. Like, I loved it. And um, I think that it has a future, especially with something so epic. Like, can you just imagine all the twists and turns you could have if you are, you know, present Link in Breath of the Wild, but it you ha so happens that you're going back in time and you are the hero from 10,000 years ago, you know, perpetuating that story so that you could be the link of present breath of the wild like that would just be so cool so i think it like sets the stage a little bit for what i'm hoping for breath of the wild 2 or just any future zelda game really because i think that they could go nuts with it so it's just like a little starting point for me it's not the best like out there in the world but it was good like it was a good little teaser i'm trying to think of a good gimmick to assign this um I can't think it because I feel like this is like it's kind of a gimmick where it's like okay like it, it's definitely solid it's used well I don't think that it's the most flashy version of the gimmick and I don't like I think that there are other like games that use the same gimmick but they do it in a more exciting way um I don't know this is this is tough well why don't we do you know what I'm gonna give this one uh I'm going to give this one maybe like a George the Animal Steel uh, gimmick because it's it's fun, it's it's done well, but maybe it was a little uh, long in the tooth even when it was used. And and maybe I'm just saying that retrospectively because there are other games that use this gimmick in a, in a better way, I think. But uh, ain't nothing wrong with George Animal Steel. All right, let's talk about its contemporary, uh, and of course that is Oracle of Seasons. I think that this gimmick is actually a lot more fun. We were, we had, funny enough... We were discussing the gimmicks of this game in the Omega Metroid Discord server. We were kind of going back and forth between, you know, which gimmick is better, the Ages gimmick or the Seasons gimmick. And I prefer the Seasons gimmick because you you change the world, but you change it in four different ways. It changes the look of the world, which I think is really great. Um, and it and it doesn't like 
like it's the same world in like the same spot whereas like with uh you know with ages you have to go kind of like in in a link to the past you have to go to like specific points and then you can warp and go back and forth in time and like kind of like in a link to the past you eventually gain the ability to just do it whenever but i kind of like that you have to be a little bit more calculated with seasons you can change the the season instantaneously so your train instantly changes from fall to to winter to whatever um and I think that just the visual of it is like really cool. So I I'm a I'm actually a big fan of this gimmick. And if this you know if those games do get remade, I'm really looking forward to playing like this game updated visually specifically. Mm-hmm. I um I actually agree with you, and I'm pretty sure I said this when we did our uh, retrospectives last year on these two games back to back. And I know we did season second, I believe, and I I know for sure that I enjoyed seasons more because of the things that I, you get to do with changing of the seasons. Um, you know, or Oracle of Ages is such a great game, but you really are only just going back in time, back and forth between time. And then, but seasons, there's a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more going on, a little bit more you have to kind of think about versus like, if I just went back in time, then I could do this. Whereas this, you could be like, if I changed it to summer I or spring, I could hop in this flower or, you know, stuff like that. So I, I really enjoyed that. And I thought it made it a little bit more fun and a little bit more, uh, maybe just a little bit more challenging too. You know, let me ask you a question. So I, if it were up to me, if someone was like, Okay, what is the defining trait of fall? I would probably have said like leaves. Like you can you, you leaves are what are what defines fall. And so I would have then maybe made Oracle of Seasons with like a path of leaves that you know how in winter time in that game like the snow path can kind of lead you up. I would have had leaves do that, but instead they just went with like mushrooms as like your big like mushrooms are ripe for picking in fall. <laughs> Maybe that's a thing. I don't know, but it's it does seem very not autumn like to me. I, it's I don't actually know. like it's a common theme in other games, like Stardew. Mu- is it Stardew really? Is okay. big mushroom season, you know, uh, for fall time, and then like other indie games kind of use fall time to be like the mushroom season. So yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, so okay, so that's a real thing. Yeah. Okay, well, I I guess uh, that that goes to show my knowledge of mushrooms is just not up on on par. <laughs> um, all right, so I'm assigning this game a gimmick. I'm gonna give it like a, uh, uh, I'm gonna give it like, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll come back to it. I already picked out the gimmick for the next game. So the next game is the Wind Waker, and man, so this game's gimmick is all about sailing, and I I'm gonna just start off with the gimmick that I've assigned it, and that is of John Cena, bright, colorful, loud. Really good, but eventually you kind of get sick of it. And that, I feel like, is sailing in Wind Waker in a nutshell. I don't... I, I mean, I guess I don't see him in wrestling, so I... I don't... I guess I don't see him the same way you do, but I don't get tired of John Cena, and I guess I don't get tired of sailing. <laughs> I like John well, Cena. Well, that's great for you. <laughs> well, you could clearly tell that you weren't a wrestling fan for, like, the last 20 years, because if you were, you'd been sick of John Cena. Okay, yeah. And I, and I like John Cena now, that he's not, like, there every day, but it's pretty rough. Okay, well, I mean, I can understand um, that sailing gets old, and it does. Um, I still really enjoy The Wind Waker, and I still really enjoy sailing around to the different islands and, like, uh, 
doing all the stuff, whether it's the main storyline or some of the side quests. But I get it. It does feel kind of empty and repetitive at times. And I mean, I guess I just really love how whimsical and great this game is. I, I, I can understand getting tired of it, though. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. I, I feel like when you're actually on land, the Wind Waker is mostly pretty fun. I would say actually mostly very fun. And there are certain moments when you're sailing and it can be pretty fun. But I just, like, there's a little bit too much of it to me. It, it grates a little bit on me. I wish that there was less sailing in this game. Um, or maybe, like, I think that Swift Sail definitely helped, definitely improved. But I feel like, you know, if, if you didn't know about Swift Sail, there's a very, very good chance you don't get that item in Wind Waker HD. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like uh, got old a little bit for me, unfortunately. Fair enough. I mean, I can, John Cena. I can say for sure that I don't like sailing when I'm speedrunning this game. <laughs> I'm like, dang it, I have to sail all between these islands and lose like five minutes of my life. So that's annoying. But other than that, casually playing it, I love it. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's keep going and let's talk about one of my favorite games, The Minish Cap. And this is a gimmick that we have seen before now a couple times. And it's another dual world. But this time, the gimmick is you have to shrink down. And the world is now, you know, super huge around you. So it's... it's I, I really love this gimmick. I really love this game just in general. I'm thinking it's like... It's not a flashy gimmick. But it's, it's a solid gimmick that's executed so well. And, and for so many great puzzles. And so many great, you know, moments in the dungeons... I'm going to give this one the excellence of execution gimmick from my boy Bret Hart. Uh, so that this is, yeah, this is like not necessarily the most creative gimmick in the world, but I just, I think that it's done so, so, so well. And really, I think that everything in Minish Cap is done very, very well. And I guess that you could maybe argue that like the Kinstones were the gimmick, although I feel like that was just like the main side quest of the game. I, I think undoubtedly shrinking down to size is the, is the, is the, you know, the predominant gimmick in this game. So uh, another instance of Zelda doing dual worlds and another instance of it doing it very well. Yeah, I agree. The only difference that I think that about this dual world and the other ones that we've seen is it's like not an exact mirror, you know? It's not, it's not even the same. It's like you shrink down and it's this whole completely different world that lives inside the world that of the game. You know what I mean? And I, this game always reminded me of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And I always loved that movie where they, you know, they get shrunk and all their regular everyday things are just huge. Like their shoes or the Lego they sleep in or the oatmeal cream cookie, you know? So I love that in this. It's really charming where you shrink down and you have like all these giant things like a little can that rolls around in that dungeon or whatever. And it's fun. And so I think it's kind of cool because it takes the dual world but does it in a slightly different, more unique way. Instead of being like a mirror, it's more of a world inside a world. I agree. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um, all right, let's move on to the next game. And that is Four Swords Adventures. And clearly... I mean, there's way too many gimmicks with this game. Uh, but clearly, the main gimmick is that you are, in fact, playing as four links. And it's a, it's a multiplayer-based experience. And, and that's really the selling gimmick. But if you were to also argue that the main gimmick is all the peripherals and the Game Boy Advances and the chords and stuff like that, I couldn't really say that you're wrong either. So, like, I personally really love 
uh, Four Swords Adventures. Um, I've played it single player, which I really recommend to everybody. It's really it's a lot more fun than you think it is playing it single player, um, and it's a lot more strategic than you probably think it is. But clearly, too many gimmicks playing it multiplayer, um, and clearly, clearly a gimmick that that could be updated and you know long injected with a new fresh breath of air. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, they tried, <laughs> and I'm sure we'll get to that later, but uh, yeah, I really enjoy this one, and obviously, they were, Nintendo was like, hey, how can we get people to play Zelda with their friends, and unfortunately, technologically-wise, I don't know how I was trying to say that, but you know what I mean, they didn't do it the best way, you know, obviously, it was kind of hard for people to really get their hands on it, especially now, you know, several years later, Um but the concept of it is really fun. I really enjoy playing it with my friends. Um, and I really enjoy sabotaging people because you can in this game. Or you could be the awesome one. And everybody, hey, me too. Everybody votes for you, right, at the end. <laughs> or, you know, you could throw somebody to their death and take all their gems. It's fun. Like, they do so much with it. Aside from your standard, hey, go to this dungeon, solve the puzzles, and beat the boss. There's so many little things that they added to it because you get to play with your friends. So, yeah, this was definitely a fun thing. And I think they could, I think they did okay in the future, but I think they could do better. I agree. I'm going to give it the demolition, uh, or the gimmick, rather, of demolition. And that is a tag team in WWE. They wore, like, these crazy outfits. Um, but I'm giving it to that to them because, like, the idea kind of started off in a decent way, but ended in kind of a bad way. So, I, I really, man, I think that this game could be just touched up and redone and re-released. And I think it would be a big hit with today's technology. But that's a podcast for another day. All right, let's talk about Twilight Princess, which is next on the gimmick list. And the main gimmick of this game is you turn into a wolf. And I don't know, Al. I've never been crazy about the gimmick of this game. I guess you could kind of say that, like, the other gimmick is you got to go to the Twilight Realm. Although I feel like that's really only prevalent for, like, the first half of the game. And that is just an absolute miserable experience collecting all of the the tears of light. Uh, oof. Yeah, not... I don't know. The, the, I guess you could also say the gimmick of this game is, like, just being ugly. <laughs> it's, oh, man. It's pretty, I feel like it's been a long... I feel like it's been a long time since I've called this game ugly. But, I mean, you know, you, you gotta call it like it is. And, uh... You know, the gimmick of this game is having weird, ugly, contorted characters, and it does that well, at least. But, yeah, I don't know. I would give this game the gimmick of the NWO B-Team, which was like... So the NWO started off, they were pretty cool, but then the, the roster of NWO members got so big that it diluted from the greatness of the group. And there was literally a faction called the NWO B-Team, which was like all of the jobbers and the mid-card stars... And that's what I feel like Twilight Princess is. Trying to be cool, trying to be edgy, just kind of not really there. Kind of like a, a middle-of-the-card guy, middle-of-the-card Zelda game. Kind of ugly. That's a B-team game. You know what? I completely disagree with you. <laughs> and I'm going to say, like, just like I said with the Link, uh, or Adventure of Link, just because, like, I have my issues with the game, just like I have issues with Twilight Princess, doesn't mean that I think the gimmick is bad. I actually think the wolf thing was awesome. I loved it when it first came out. 
I thought this game was so cool. I love that you could transform forms. And, you know, it's kind of bringing back maybe the stuff from Majora's Mask a little bit. But instead of, you know, turning into the other races, you turn into a wolf. And you get to solve puzzles as a wolf. And then eventually you get to, um, you know, control when you transform, when you transform back to Human Link. And I just thought it was super awesome. I thought it was creative. I thought it fit the world very well. Just because, you know, I think that the game is kind of a chore and it's not my favorite doesn't mean I don't think the gimmick is cool because I thought it was. Well, I, I actually don't hate the idea of turning into a wolf. I don't. But let's, let's just break it down a little bit. So first of all, you're transforming into another creature, which we've seen in Majora's Mask. But uh, you know what? I'll give this one a pass. It's, it's reusing that idea, but you're fully transformed into something else, not just kind of like a half Goron, half link you know what mm -hmm. i mean so i feel like that's okay but you don't go to a different world it's the same world um so you can just change on the fly which is kind of i don't know it's kind of vanilla i guess to me and, and not necessarily you know and i guess you could say that about majora's mask but i feel like those transformations are like so different that they feel like completely i don't know they they feel like game changers whereas to me Changing into a wolf just kind of feels like jumping on Epona for a large part of the, the ride. Except for when you have to use the sense, which I think is a really cool concept. But you never really use it in Twilight Princess. I can think of, like, I think there's three instances where you have to use, like, following the scent in the game. And I think that that was, like, a really cool, distinguishable feature of the wolf. And it was kind of, like, not really used to the fullest effect that it could have been. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like maybe I'm being a little bit unfair to Twilight Princess, but I also, like, I don't think that it does very much with this gimmick either, which, as we've talked about with Ocarina of Time, would actually be fine, but, you know, there's just some other stuff that I don't think the game does very well either, unfortunately, for, for me, I guess, because everyone else loves it, but, you know, it is what it is. Nah, I think you're party pooper. I love it. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> well, you know what? You know what I say to that? Who doesn't like chicken noodle soup, Allison? Oh, I've already, I've already submitted my. Not answer. a single soul in this world doesn't like chicken noodle I've soup. Submitted. And there's Aletha, just just like, oh, chicken I've noodle soup. I submitted my answer. Did you not read it? I said that I don't like the fact that it was our go-to soup when we were sick. But you know, you're also being sick at the same time that you're eating it. So then, therefore, it becomes very like you get an aversion to it and very gross so there you go <laughs> yeah well you know what i used to have ice cream when i was sick and i still like ice cream so take I that i don't know what to tell you about that annie let's move on uh <laughs> let's talk about more enjoyable than chicken noodle soup <laughs> oh god okay so i i lumped these games together maybe i shouldn't have because i think spirit tracks definitely has the gimmick of a train which is, which is actually pretty fun, admittedly. But I'm going to lump these games together anyways. And that, of course, is Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks. And the, the gimmick of this game is unescapable. It is the stylus controls. That's the gimmick. It informs everything that you do. It informs how you move. It informs your items. It informs everything. So I feel like, while yes, Spirit Tracks does have the train gimmick. And, it, and it's kind of fun for what it is. I just, I feel like you cannot escape the stylus control gimmick of this game and i hate it you know i i've unfortunately i i just i don't like the stylus controls at all they hurt my hand i don't like having to to constantly use it i don't mind using a stylus but like 
if I have to constantly use it, I'm just like, I, I just don't want to, I don't want to play this. I just want to use like a regular, you know, a regular D-pad. Um, because like your hand gets tired, you have to hold it at that awkward angle to, to properly move or whatever. This is a, this is, I, I probably the worst gimmick, I guess second worst gimmick in Zelda, I think unfortunately because i think that like there are good there are good games to be found in spirit tracks and you know phantom hourglass but it's it's hard to it's hard to get to those games at least for a guy like me because the gimmick is so it's such a turnoff that it's just like yeah okay being on a train is fun or like this lineback character is fun but i just i hate actually playing it because of the gimmick so it makes it tough and i know that you disagree i'm calling this the Brutus the Barber Beefcake of Zelda gimmicks. I don't know what that means, but okay. It's bad, <laughs> Al. It's bad. I I think that there is a good concept in it and some good charm to it. And I think that retrospectively, Nintendo probably is looking back at it and thinking, yeah, you know, we probably could have had Link controlled by the D-pad and the items controlled and the map controlled by and the boat too controlled by the um you know the touch controls and the stylus that makes that would make a lot more sense than i think what they came up with i think they just really wanted to go for it and they did and like i said i like it it's just i can agree with you about the paint because you know i know i i know I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound funny, but I'm almost 30, and my shoulder hurts, okay? <laughs> and, you know, when you have to um, – I was talking to Catherine the other day because she was practicing Phantom Hourglass, and I'm going to start pra- practicing Spirit Tracks. And she's just like, friend, I got to tell you that Spirit Tracks is 40 minutes longer than Phantom Hourglass, so your shoulder is going to be in pain. Ugh. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> dreading it. So, yeah, is it my favorite um, gimmick? No, not at all. But I think the idea had so much potential. And I, I have some respect for it because it was a good idea. Like, it was different. It was new. And they tried. But it just didn't it didn't go over very well. I think they could have done it a little bit better. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it's funny, actually, because in our Tingle Rosie Rupee Land episode, that game actually, like, strikes the exact balance that you're just talking about. Where, like... You do use the stylus because it's a DS game, but you move around with the D-pad. And, like, movement is, like, 90% of a video game. Like, you're you're usually moving in a video mm-hmm. game. Maybe, unless you're playing, like, an RPG or something. I don't know. But, yeah, that game really just, you use the stylus to to battle. And, and that's it. And it's very manageable. And so that, you know, I don't feel like is, is all that intrusive. Um, so yeah, this this is one of my least favorite gimmicks in the series. I was also talking to Catherine the other day, actually, privately, and uh, she was asking me for some tips on how to play Twilight Princess <laughs> with Zelda Dungeon Marathon. Oh my I was God. sharing with her some of my strategies and some of my techniques, including the uh, the Dark Hammer oh my God. strategy. I need everybody who listens to this podcast to never believe a word that comes out of Andy Spateri's mouth. <laughs> Well, so Catherine is, is she's trying to be the best Twilight Princess player this year at the upcoming 2022 Zelda Dungeon Marathon. And if you're going to be the best, then you have to ask for the best advice and techniques. And, and that's me. So we uh, we were chatting. We actually, we might even see Catherine show up on this show in the future. Okay. Rumor has it. That would it. be fun. 
and uh, she can confirm everything that I've just said at that time. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Alright, let's move on to, I would say, the most divisive gimmick in the series, right? Wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, I think so. Um, and, and that's Skyward Sword's motion controls. I've kind of taken the, the lead on most of the gimmick here, Al, but... You know, this is a game near and dear to your heart. What do you what do you have to say for this? I um I also think that this was a good idea and I understand people who have issues with it because it's not perfect. It's not you have to constantly synchronize your controls and you have to be okay with it for in order to be like happy about this game. And I am. I'm totally fine with it. And, of course, it's gotten a little bit better since uh, it was released on Switch. And I think the Joy-Cons do a really good job with the motion controls. And also kind of letting you turn the motion controls off if you want to. So I I understand that people have frustration with it. But I think they were trying to be innovative. I think they were trying to take Zelda in a new direction. Especially with the Wii where they were just really trying to get people to be a bit more active and stuff as they play games. Um, so I thought it was really cool and I think how they incorporated a lot of the things that you have to do with motion controls very well. For instance, all your sword movements, certain enemies that required certain sword movements, the flying, uh, the swimming, all that kind of stuff. I wouldn't say the swimming's my favorite by any means in this game, but you know what I mean? It's like they tried really hard and I think they executed it well, but maybe, maybe it was just too early for it. Like maybe it was beyond its time the technology wasn't there to make it perfect as everybody wanted it to be you know what i actually i'm gonna go the other way i think that skyward sword came too late because i i think that by the time that it came out in 2011 um you know we'd had our wii's for five years at that point and uh you know like when twilight princess came out i feel like everyone was like ah you could wiggle your wiimote and link will move his sword and like that was really cool but, like, I mean, you were literally just wiggling your, your Wiimote in your hand like a doofus, and, like, it, you know, that was how you swung your sword. So, to say that the technology was not there for Twilight Princess, I think, is absolutely correct. But by the time that Skyward Sword came out, like, you had the Wii Motion Plus, which is very, very precise. And they were using that technology in, like, very precise ways in that game. Like, you know, as you mentioned, with swimming, with slicing, with, uh, with the beetle and stuff like that. Um, but, I think that by 2011... You know, it had been five years of this touch control gimmick, and, like, a lot of games have the touch gimmick on the Wii at that point. So, it, yeah, I think that people were just like, oh, I'm tired of this. Like, I just, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and, I, and I've heard from people that did legitimately have problems using their, you know, their, their Wii Motion Plus, and there was some input delays and snags and snafus and stuff like that. You and I never experienced that, um, as we've talked about before. But, you know, I, I mean, that's, you know, it's legitimate. It exists. So, I yeah, I don't know. I, I think that the gimmick was, like, really, it was a good one. And it was really well-defined and refined. Um, but I think that maybe it just came a little bit too late. I mean, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to liken this gimmick to Roman Reigns circa 2017, where, like, he was kind of being pushed as, like, the John Cena-esque type of hero, when people were just ready to move on from that to something new, a different kind of character. And some, like, kids and, you know, typically, like, kids and females really loved Roman Reigns, and, like, your older crotchety dude wrestling fans didn't like him at all, and it was kind of, like, a mixed reaction. And I feel like that's still kind of the, the case with Skyward Sword, and it's a gimmick specifically about the, uh, 
the motion controls. And and I love Skyward Sword. It's one of my favorite, favorite Zelda games. But I love it for the story. I love it for the dungeons. I love it for the music. I don't necessarily love it for the gimmick. So to everybody that's going to come at me because I was picking on Twilight Princess's gimmick, I'm also picking on Skyward Sword's gimmick, okay? So I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Sounds good. I mean, it's fair. I, I understand. I just, I think that... I don't know. Something always bugs me when uh, people wouldn't give the game a chance because of the motion controls. And I, I mean, I get it, but at the same time, it's such a good game, and I feel like you could break, you could tough it out, you know. <laughs> but maybe people right. shouldn't have to. Maybe I should be more kind about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of like we were saying with, with Phantom Hourglass. You know, you could easily say like tough it out and, and play, but I mean, if you don't like the gimmick, you don't like the gimmick, and. And I get that. It's it, it certainly is tough to swallow, though, for, like, you know, people like us that that really love Skyward Sword. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, I think that's I think that's fair. It, like, if you don't like motion controls, then... You don't you know, like motion probably, controls. Yeah, it's probably not for you. And I don't know... I guess you could play Skyward Sword HD. Yeah. Because that has, you know, it's button-only mode, and it's got that going on. So, I don't know. Best of both worlds. Um... Let's keep it going here, and let's talk about A Link Between Worlds. So this one is another one that uses the dual world gimmick, but I, I feel like the actually the main gimmick of this game is the wall merging and how that kind of incorporates yeah. into different puzzles and stuff like that. Um, and I really like this gimmick. I think that it's a an understated gimmick. I think that if it was just, like, going back and forth between low rule and high rule, that would have been... I feel like that would have felt pretty stale. But with the addition of the wall mechanic, I, I think that it's just fresh enough. And obviously the game does a lot of things well with its dungeons and stories and, and stuff like that. That I, I feel like it does really set it up for success. But yeah, I, I think that this gimmick, it, it's kind of like a twofold gimmick, which is kind of cool. So it, it, I think on their own, they wouldn't have been enough. But together, they probably are. I really like that... Um that they took, you know, obviously they took from a link to the past and they were like, how can we make this dual world thing better? And, and then they gave it this like merging into the wall and transferring yourself in between the two worlds. And I think it does do it better. I, I personally like a link between worlds better than a link to the past. And, um, I've said this before. It's a little bit, um, I'd say a little bit easier, not, not like not like it's not challenging in some ways or something like that, but I think it's just a little bit easier. It uh, It's really fun to, you know, go through the walls and, like, kind of figure out the puzzles or plan out, like, hey, if I go if I go into the wall in this direction, I'll come out on the other side of Laurel and I'll get that heart piece over there. You know what I mean? And I thought that was a lot of fun, whereas you had in A Link to the Past, you kind of had to use that mirror or whatever and, like, kind of guess you know more so than um actually plan things out at least in in from what i remember so i i thought they did a really good job with it i thought they made it a lot of fun much more um you know it's just as great as a link to the past was at the time but it's much more colorful i love the music more um i love the characters more and the story more and yeah, I think they just took something that they had and they were like, how can we make this greater? And then they did with the gimmick and with the the game as a whole. All right, so for everybody that is not... By the way, I'm assigning this game, A Link to Worlds, the Finn Balor demon gimmick because it's kind of two-in-one gimmicks here. But for all you non-wrestling fans, I want you to Google something right now before we talk about the next game. 
I want you to Google WWE Survivor Series gobbledygooker. Okay? This was the most... Uh, I, I, I don't think abominous is a word, but it was... It was the absolute worst gimmick of all time. There was a giant egg, and out of this egg hatched a guy in a chicken suit named the Gobbledygooker. And it was the absolute most awful thing you've ever seen. And that's the only way, that's the only gimmick that can describe the next game, and that is Triforce Heroes. I hate this gimmick. This costume gimmick, I feel like, is awful. I don't mind the multiplayer gimmick in and of itself, but the costume gimmick and the whole aesthetic, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Gobbledygooker. Again, again, with with Triforce Heroes, I always say you're just a little bit dramatic. <laughs> I don't think I am dramatic, Al. I think it's fine. Like, I think it's okay. It's not the best. I understand that. But I think it's still fun. You kind of get to do the multiplayer thing, but it's a little bit different. You get to get these different outfits that'll help you in the different levels, like the Goron outfit. They'll help you walk through lava, and I think that's fun because you can kind of, you know, think out strategies on how you'll get through this. I especially loved it because my friends got me a game that had all the costumes already, so I didn't have to work that hard to get them, but I had them, and <laughs> and I thought it was I thought it was cute and charming, and it was just like a fun little thing that they did that one time with a multiplayer Zelda game and I think we'll all survive from it. <laughs> this this is a stain on the name Zelda. No, it's We not. talk about we yes it is. We talk about all these games, okay? We talk about Phantom Hourglass and Adventure of Link and and maybe uh I don't know, some people dog on Oracle of Seasons. We dog on Twilight Princess. These games are still awesome games any way that you slice it. You look at this Triforce Heroes game Triforce Heroes, this game is the worst game in the series. It does not meet the Zelda scale. It's borderline unplayable, and the gimmick sucks. Sucks. Oh, Andy. I don't know what to do with you, my friend, but I enjoy it. And there are other people out there who enjoy it, so it's fine. <laughs> All right, we have one more game. We have Breath of the Wild 2 gimmick, and then we have my special announcement for you. Uh, so let's keep going here. Breath of the Wild. So the, the main gimmick of this game... It's kind of akin to Ocarina of Time, where the main gimmick is really just that it's a new type of Zelda game. It's a new type of open-world Zelda game, um, and th that's really what it's trying to do. I guess you could say that, like, maybe the main gimmick is, like, the Sheikah Slate, mm -hmm. and using the runes and using, you know, the, the Sheikah Slate to activate everything like that. I, I feel like that might just be like saying that the main gimmick of Ocarina of Time was having a fairy in that it was so integral to the gameplay that like you just you didn't even think about it but I think that the you know obviously being the first open world Zelda game is the main gimmick here the Sheikah Slate is probably what you want to narrow in on if you really want to get specific about the individual gimmick of this game I'm going to call this game the American Dragon Brian Danielson the best wrestler in the world I think that that could very easily apply to Breath of the Wild, and I think that it has a very good, uh, a very good case to be called the best video game of the modern era. So I, I'm assigning it that high praise. Okay, I mean, 
Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying as far as like, yeah, it's kind of like Ocarina of Time where, you know, we were stepping into a new stage, a new, uh, you know, time in its life of the Zelda franchise with 3D. And then now we're doing this huge, massive open world, being able to interact more with your surroundings, um, have to actually think more about your surroundings, what's going on around you, what could sneak up on you, what the weather does, what the, um, what the enemies are you know doing over in their camps over there you can see them eating uh the meat off the fire and it was cool like it was extremely immersive um like of course everybody you know dives into zelda games that you know who loves them and enjoys getting into the story but this was like you really got to get into the nitty and gritty and be a part of this world and they they did such a good job with that so i would definitely say like the open world um leaving you free to do whatever you wanted and actually have more interaction in the world around you versus just kind of taking part in the world uh is the main gimmick of this game yeah totally um okay so we've reached the end of our list here let's talk about breath of the wild 2 really quickly because i think and i think that you think as well we're gonna see the return of the most proud zelda gimmick of them all which is the dual world i think that that's coming back now I'm not 100% sure if it's going to be coming back in the form of, like, switching between past and present to play as Link and play as the hero. I think that that could be very likely. Um, and it makes sense based on what we've seen so far. But I think that there's also going to be maybe the dual world of, like, I still think that there's a chance that, like, there could be some kind of dark world that we do not know about still. Um, obviously, we know that we got something going on up in the sky but I'm not sure how, like, fully fleshed out that's going to be, like, in terms of, like, the map. I, I can't imagine that there's going to be, like, a ton of the map that's going to be up in the sky. Uh, to me, it just seems like maybe it's just, like, smaller pockets. So I, I'm not ready to call that, like, the main gimmick of the game. I just think that it's maybe something that they added that was a little bit different. I wouldn't be shocked if, like, they showed in the next trailer that they showed where they you know, maybe you were swimming and like you could go underwater and stuff like that. So like now you have like kind of the sky, the sea to, to add to your world of breath of the wild. But I do think that we're going to have some way to travel back in time um, or to an alternate reality. What about this Al? You could travel back in time and maybe you could bring back if you did the four champions. Cause I'm actually still not convinced that like Mifa or Bosa and company aren't going to show up in breath of the wild too. I think that they've built up, so much equity in those characters that it, it feels, I don't know. It, it feels like to me, like there's maybe a way that they want to bring them back. So I think that you could accomplish that if you went with the hero from 10,000 years ago idea that we think that maybe they're going with. So either way, I think that we're going to see the dual world gimmick make its return. I mean, if you're going back, so I'm convinced that it's going to be the, well, I wouldn't say I'm convinced I'm done being convinced of things with Nintendo, but I am hoping that you are going back and you do you are the the hero from 10,000 years ago and um you know create the story that we know in present breath of the wild but if you're going back in time 10,000 years you're going to see the OG champions from that time that were the pilots of the of the divine beasts which would be kind of cool it'd be kind of cool to that would be kind of yeah, cool yeah to see them and to see like their homesteads how they were back then and 
Maybe they could do like Age of Calamity, except done right, where like you have all three sets of champions. Oh my gosh, that'd be oh that'd be gosh. cool. Okay, and then and then you know also if you do go back that amount of time, Urbosa does say that Ganondorf came from the Gerudo and she hated that. So like, what if you get to see a Gerudo, you know, tribe that's like, you know, against Hyrule because of Ganondorf being existing at that time, you know? I don't know. That would be cool. Anyways, I'm just kind of like talking out the seam of my pants. But I I think the gimmick is going to be the going back in time, much like Oracle of Ages, but where you're impacting the story that we know now. You're creating that story by going back in time. Well, we hopefully, knock on wood, won't have to wait long. E, what would have been E3 is about two months away, almost to the day. Um, so we're anticipating a Nintendo Direct, hopefully, that takes place in and around that same time. So and I, I'm sure that whenever the next Nintendo Direct comes, that we'll get some Zelda. Or maybe we'll get an, an announcement of like a specific Breath of the Wild 2 Direct. Either way, I don't think we're going to have to wait long. Al, I've teased an announcement okay. for you and for everybody. Are you yeah. ready? Mark your calendars, because in three months' time, exact day pending, but in three months' time... We will have a live, in-person Champions Cast as part of the Zelda Dungeon Marathon. Oh! And uh, there might be there might be some special guests that show up, but you and I will be live together, sitting apart from each other, podcasting and having a live version of this show. I told you I didn't know if it was good news or bad I news. Love that's it. up for you. I but. love. It. That's that's what's going on. I think that's so funny. I, like, we're doing this podcast together, and Andy Spateri is like, "Oh, by the way, when we're at the marathon, we're going to be doing a live podcast." I love it. I think that's fun. I think we did. You guys did something similar when it was you and Taylor, um, you know, back in the day. So yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. That will be a lot of fun. I am. Uh, I'm officially booked. I booked my flight. Yesterday. I haven't. I so told I'm... Mossies that I I can book it whenever. I really can. I Ugh. just I'm Dude, just do it I'm now. struggling with how much it costs. It's it's more of a stubbornness in principle. It's outrageous. I'm just having a hard time because I know how much I normally spend to get there. So I'm just having a hard time at the moment. <laughs> it's it's completely outrageous. I I spent like seven hundred and fifty exactly. exactly on a round trip, and I don't want to do that. So maybe we'll see. I mean that's. It's it's just going to get worse. Unfortunately, we what we should have done was actually bought a couple months ago because one of the the many 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 other crappy things that uh, numbnuts in Russia has done has driven up the price of oil. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's going to be coming during the Zelda Dungeon Marathon I love a it. live Champions Cast. That's going to be fun. I don't even yeah, it's going to be fun. Maybe we'll have some Breath of the Wild two stuff to talk about by then oh, too. Maybe that'd be nice. That would be nice. That would be uh, very, very cool. Um, so yeah, that's going to be coming. And uh, this is a fun look at all of the gimmicks of Zelda history. I'll post my gimmick list in the Discord so you can tell me which which wrestlers uh, you would assign <laughs> to all the various gimmicks. I did mine off the top of my head, so my list is actually probably pretty awful. So I'm looking forward to some uh, refinements being made. But uh, for now, we are going to get out of here and uh and sign off for the week and enjoy our easter uh, again to everybody that celebrates happy easter weekend uh make sure 
that you check us out wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Podbean, Spotify. Uh, you know the drill. Like and subscribe. Check us out on our Twitter, at Spateri316, at Allison Aletha, and recommend us to that Zelda fan in your life. Until next week, everybody, take care. <laughs>